Faith Like Abraham By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was ready to offer up his only son. He considered that God was able to raise men even from the dead. It's the story of the call of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. The one who first called the world into being now makes a second call. It's a specific call, a call you can trace through history. This second call went out to an elderly man named Abraham, 75 years old, and his aged barren wife, Sarah. And the purpose of this second call was to create an alternative community in a creation gone awry. The purpose of this second call was to launch in human history the power of blessing rather than the curse. In the second call, God hoped that through this new family, all of human history can be brought together in unity and harmony that God intended by that first call. The God who formed the world is the same God who created Israel. It's the same God who first called creation, now calling the community of faith. The same God in both calls works his powerful created purpose and intervenes in surprising redemptive ways. And this second call to Sarah and Abraham wasn't simply forming Israel. This call is actually reforming creation, transforming the nations. The faith stories of Sarah and Abraham are not ends in themselves. They actually point to God's larger purposes. As I said, the second call was to create an alternative community in a creation gone awry. And this thought inspires me. So often we think about Christianity, how faith impacts my life, my family, my church, my community. And this is reasonable 
because faith is something quite personal. It is something that we each must decide. But when we study ancient scripture, we open these sacred words preserved for us and listen, we actually hear the story of something much larger. Something more grand and glorious is going on. Faith like Abraham and Sarah revealed to us the larger context of our faith. We are a part of something much larger than ourselves. My faith is united with an entire company of believers around the world. And even if I'm praying and living in isolation, there is a great cloud of witnesses of which I am a part. Your family is part of something much stronger than yourselves. It's not just about your kinfolk. You are actually a part of a grand family of God. And in this family, we have a host of grandmas and grandpas, an entire entourage of aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, and when we cry, we cry together. When we rejoice, we rejoice together. And each congregation is an important outpost in God's greater kingdom. It's not just about what we do here. We are a part of a massive brigade shining light and truth and sharing the blessing of our Creator. God is working in us and through us through that second call to Sarah and Abraham to bring the unity and harmony intended by the Creator in the first call. We are part of something much larger than ourselves. The second call of God to Sarah and Abraham is a call to an alternative community in a creation gone awry. And faith like Abraham keeps its eye on our greater identity and purpose. Faith like Abraham. In this second call, there's a striking connection between God's call, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, go to the land I will show you. Connection between God's call and Abraham's response. In verse four, so, Abram went, as the Lord had said. Here in this second call, Abraham and Sarah are receptive and responsive. They receive the call of God, go from here to there, and then responded. They actually went. And their reception and response stands in stark contrast to the world's response prior to this point. 
outside the serenity of, of creation and the beginning of Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and Noah, who found favor in God's sight, outside of those two, the world was resistant and mistrustful to God's call. The Lord saw the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made humankind. The earth was corrupt in God's sight and filled with violence. And there are preachers who will belabor this stark contrast, making it black and white, cut and dry. All people of faith are receptive and responsive to God's call, while all the wicked in the world are resistant and mistrustful. And I think there's some truth in that. I mean, to be a person of faith, you must hear and receive and respond to God's call. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever, whoever would approach him or respond to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And when Jesus called the fishermen, he said, Come, follow me. I will make you fish for people. They heard that call. They received it and responded. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And so faith does demand a reception, response to God's call. But I looked at the life of, of Abraham from age 75 on, some of the stories following this one, and his faith was a mixed bag. He didn't always get it right. There were moments when he actually resisted God's call. Some of his action revealed mistrust for God. And so that, that just got me to thinking, is faith like Abraham so black and white? Is my faith always receptive and responsive to God? In what ways do I resist? Am I resistant, mistrustful of God? And I'm wondering if faith like Abraham is more of a mixed bag than we'd like to admit. Jake and Kate are a busy African-American couple raising two young sons, Dylan and Shane, nine and seven. Twenty years ago, Jake and Kate met in college. They fell in love and they married after graduation. And now they sing in the church choir, lead the kids' choir, in which their boys enthusiastically sing they go to Sunday school and they and worship every single week. You would look at them and think that they are the perfect church family. And they are. Now, until you dig a bit deeper into their story. Because they haven't always been so faithful. 
Kate grew up Catholic, Jake Baptist. This wasn't important to them when they met. Kate says, I was resistant. I didn't want to be committed to any church or to a certain set of rules. Her family was one of only two African-American families in the church, and she remembers how uncomfortable and unwelcome she felt there. Jake became mistrustful of the church when his pastor's daughter became pregnant and he refused to allow her a church wedding. Jake is like, here you are preaching forgiveness and love and you're treating your own daughter like that? It's not right. They were resistant, mistrustful. So they slept in on Sunday mornings. After three years of marriage, their first son, Mark, was born. And their lives revolved around this happy first child. It was the first grandchild on each side. And the typical day included Kate rushing to take Mark to the babysitter on her way to work. On that day, she says, I remember the look on Mark's face. He had his coat on and he said, Bye. See ya. Everything's fine. And he came back and he gave her a kiss. That day, while they were both working, a fire swept through the babysitter's home. Kate says he died from acute carbon monoxide poisoning. The flames didn't get him. Jake interrupts smoke inhalation. He was asleep at the time and said it was painless. He probably took a deep breath and never woke up. Our pain never stops. And they reeled from the tragedy. They were comforted that he didn't suffer, but they really struggled to make sense of it all. And their worlds fell apart. Both were angry at God, angry at one another, angry at a world in which things like this happen. Time goes on and two more sons were born, but they're growing apart and they took two separate lanes. Kate went to see spiritualists and they suggested certain books and she checked them out at the library. She read books about dreams and books about meditation and books about channeling and all of that. Jake sort of took a more traditional path and went to church on occasion, but nothing felt quite right, never visiting the same church twice. Seven years after Mark's death, a pastor came by and said something they had never heard a church leader say. Is there anything we can do for you? And he held their hands and prayed with them. They went to church and they felt at home. And no one tried to fix or minimize their grief. They found some safe companions for their healing journey. And for Kate and Jake, 
their faith is a mixed bag of reception response, of resistance mistrust. There were seasons of each, at times more resistant and mistrusting, at other times more receptive and responsive. And I'm guessing that if we are gut level honest, that accurately describes our faith. And I think that's okay. Because faith, it's a journey. It's a wild ride. At times we're trusting and relying on God. And there's times of tragedy and suffering and life happens and life gets busy. Resistant and mistrustful. And I think owning the reality of that dynamic in our soul is good for us. It's also challenging because learning to be more and more receptive and responsive to God's call takes practice. Our spiritual maturity, our spiritual formation, is learning the art of surrender. Because God calls, He has plans for our future, plans for our lives, His plans, His thoughts, greater than our own dreams. And learning the art of surrender is a journey. And sometimes we get it right. And sometimes we get it, well, not so right. And isn't that the nature of grace? To begin again? So even while acknowledging that we are more of a mixed bag than we'd like to admit, in what ways has God been calling you? In what ways has God been speaking about your inner life, the direction of your life, the security of your soul? In what ways have you resisted God, choosing to trust yourself? In what ways would your life be different if you received and responded to the ways God is calling you? And what are you waiting for? Because in spite of how Abraham was a mixed bag, when the chips were down, when push came to shove, when God said, go from here to there, Abraham went. And I don't always get faith right, but I've made a commitment to myself and to my Lord that when the chips are down and my back against the wall, I want to be at my best. And that demands a choice. I must choose to be receptive and responsive to God. And even though I am a work in progress, it's my commitment to do so as best I can 
until my dying breath. Are you in? God, thank you for your call to go from here to there. Thank you for the moral freedom to make that choice. We confess what you already know. We are a mixed bag of belief and doubt. Come now and change us. Reveal the ways we are resistant and tenderly help us become more receptive. Show us the ways we mistrust you and kindly help us to trust you more. Just come and sit with us while we wait.